thermal sound wave wave thermal sound wave wave yes yes indeed it's thermal sound waves a natural alternative to fast food radio we are here see truth kev lawrence kev lawrence see truth doing it up of course once again back in effect as we do this for you and you and yours out there worldwide all across the globe big ups to everybody catching this via the tune in application tunein.com and of course whcr.org that's what it is email us thermosoundwaves at hey. gmail.com uh-huh. we got a gentleman right now a mr young i, I gotta address him with the mr oh, oh you gotta put the mr i gotta put right the mr on there because you know this 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 dude has done so many things yes he has I, i'm not gonna run down the list but you know he's a trailblazer and we'll, he, we'll let him say cause yeah we'll, we'll, we'll let him do all of that there but he may be too modest though he yeah he he, he did a lot of things on on the the, the record side of, of of the business with a lot of things that you see now or that you saw that a lot of people you, you thought were the ones that, that started it, it was really Doug Young that did that. And uh-huh. he's been doing it since Romeo's were the new uh, Cali Slipper. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know the, the, the I had all them Cali clothes and shine the Romeo's, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. We're here with Mr. Yeah. Doug, Mr. Doug Young. Young. Big ups to uh, people supporting the legend who uh, yes. made that connect and that link. Big up to a uh, big knob as well, man, out there doing what the up, damn knob? thing. And shout out to big knob. Yeah, knob's the man in Compton. That's right, that's right. And you know what? Shout out to him again because, uh, of and through you, of course, but when he realized what we were doing out there in Compton, you know, he spoke with C. He didn't speak to me, but he spoke to me. He's like, hey, you know, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, y'all doing this? I, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't get to meet y'all, man. Yo, shout out to y'all for, you know, giving our books in my in my hood and everything. And it's like, we was like, this is what we do. But it, it, it was, a, it was initially, I'll let you know this, Doug. Let's, it is, it, the real is what the real. We was in the car. We was like, yo, they really love us out there. They really appreciate us out there. It was like, wow. So it was, it was. It was grateful, gratifying for us knowing that, you know, people like you, you know, other people really, like, look at us and, and are thankful for what we was doing. We were just thankful that, you know, we were speaking with people like you guys out there. So, Man, so let, me, let, me, let me tell you something, first of all. Nob is, he, he's like the real G out here. You hear um, uh, Kendrick Lamar always speak on him in his song. Um, and, you know, the whole gang situation that most people know across the world now in Los Angeles, it's a real thing, you know. You know, he done went and sat it down a couple of years, quite a few times, and, you know, he's an older person now, you know, who, who gets all the respect of all the, the G's in L.A. You know, Nob is basically the dude now. You know, everybody have their little times. Like, when I first got started back with Easy. Easy E in the eighties, you know, the the Crips was basically running everything, and to be a blood back in the eighties, you know, that was real hard to wear that red because they was outnumbered. I would say at least six to two. Yeah, and we we found out a lot of things, with, you know, with us taking, always coming out to you know L A. and being schooled by people, you know, and I think a lot of people looked at us different coming to LA like we didn't want to be uh, like hey we want to you know drink and smoke with y'all and be a part of an organization we just coming out here as like hey the radio boys out here and we like coming out here and help helping our community work yeah yeah y'all was in the community and that was a good thing that's why you know I was you know trying to put you two guys together uh, 
usually the problem that I have in full blast summer since um, I've been around the game since now it's 84 really mm-hmm. um, I know people from all over the world so the minute that usually summer hits in Los Angeles for me I'm going to get a call twice a week in the summer from somebody coming from some parts of the country or the world I mean to say right right absolutely we're talking to Doug Young right now, entrepreneur extraordinaire, trailblazer, pioneer, and so forth. And behind the scenes. Be- before we talk about some of the things you've done, let's let's talk about a recent situation that you have in which you are now an advisor for the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Museum. Congratulations, Congratulations on that. Let's grab it You know what I'm saying, man? I think with the exception of... Um, that's got to be probably... Hmm. The second biggest honor for me, and the reason why I'll say second is because when um when Dr. Dre left a uh, Ruthless Records, um, and I just saw how dejected he was. Uh, I remember going back when I found out what was going on between him, Jerry, and Easy. Right? It's about Jerry. I saw, him at, I saw it just real quick on the story. I saw him at Fat Burgers, and I just left Ruthless picking up. Uh, they had just signed the Penthouse Players Quick Group. I was getting the new group, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, listening to that stuff with Easy. I had their CD. I had Cocaine CD. I had Above the Law. Wow. A bunch of stuff, you know. And I see Dre and Fatburger, right? And I said, Yeah, man, I just left you guys' office, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then he tells me, uh-uh, that's how Dre talked. Nah, nah, man. Uh, I ain't with that no more. Like, well, what do you mean you're not with that? He said, Man, they trying to start me out, right? And I said, what do you mean he's trying to start you out? He said, man, Doug, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, messing with Ruthless no more. I got to keep it clean. I couldn't say what he actually said. Right, right, right. Um, I said, what? And then it all started making sense to me. um, Because I started seeing a whole bunch of producers at the office at that time. uh, In the 90s, you had Soul Power, which is Soul Shock. You have Willa, uh, a solid production. These cats are, are, are people from Denmark that I know. Quick was over there, like I said. Romeo, Master Ron, Jammin' James, just a, a number of producers. Battle Cat was over there, too. Wow. And it started making sense to me that, okay, that's why all of these people is in the office, right? So I remember racing back over there and just telling them, look, I found Dre told me what had happened, you know, because that, that's when he was staying at the Marjorie when his house was allegedly mysteriously burnt burnt down by uh, or caught on fire by somebody remember him saying one of the rhymes wow yeah and um and it was funny because the 45 king was in los angeles at that time too staying at the marjion and 45 king came out from the government new jersey yeah yeah, yeah Mark, 45 yes, king that's yes, my man yes who did um, a lot of early work with latif and flavor legendary know. man yeah. he was that's when it was the original flavor unit at that time he was losing it you know Due to some of his, you know, issues, um, uh, but it was still Lati, uh, Apache, uh, Joe Raji, Lakem Shabazz, which was the man that actually gave the name, I believe, for Flavor Unit. Yeah, yeah, that's who came up with the name. Yeah. So he came up with the name Flavor Unit, and um, you know, Lati for uh, you know that whole crew. Um, uh, a long story short, on that, uh, I tell Dre, okay, you know something. Uh, I'm gonna come see you because Mark the 45 King is standing over there anyway. I raced back to Rufus and basically told him, "Look, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm rolling with Dre. 
you guys, when Cube left, that was to me no big deal. You will find new artists, artists alike to me. You know, you know, you always gonna, it's always going to be somebody new, always going to be somebody hot. That's what an artist is to me once I started learning the game. But the, the, the sound, the sound is the key to any music. It's the sound. And, and I just told him, I just told him, you're going to regret this. And and at that time, I was the publicist. Remember the uh, actual article with Dre on on the Source magazine with the gun to his head? Ooh, wow. Remember yeah. that? Remember that? Wow. Remember that cover on the Source magazine? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got that because I was one of the first source writers uh, when Dave May wow. and John Spector was in, wow. in in Harvard. You know what I'm saying? No, wow. Greg Mack was the first writer. Now, now for, for those that yeah. don't know, he uh, we're talking to Doug Young right now. He's talking about when Source Magazine wasn't even a, a magazine article. right there. It, well, was it was like a, it was a Chinese menu. Basically. Yeah, yeah, remember, it was a one pager. Remember that? It was like it looked like a Chinese menu. Yeah, and, and it had. It had the top records on different stations in different parts of like that northeast region. I, I think maybe some parts out west. And then as Dave well. Mays hooked up with Benzino and them later on, of course. And then well, no, that's lot, that's, this is a lot later. This is when Dave Mays and John Schechter was roommates at Harvard. Wow, this, I'm talking the about very beginning before Benzino. The very very beginning. Yeah, the, the absolute beginning when they were still in their college dorm room and. Um, so I was able to talk, you know, at that time, I think Ronan Roan was the uh, editor. And I was able to talk Dave and uh, uh, John to let Ronan come out here and just at least listen to the record. You know what I'm saying? And see what they thought, because they thought Dre was over with. Everybody couldn't believe he left Ruthless. And, you know, basically playing the publicist. So that project, I would say out of all the projects that I did, um, I was more focused on that project because I wanted to prove a point with Dre, you know. No. And oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go. You, you, you were a record promoter, a writer, a publicist. Publicist. Did you have any formal trainings in any of these things before you were actually doing them at that point in time? Or was it just you? Or were you just well, you had well, the wherewithal to do it? As 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 as, as, as um, uh, rappers and artists would say, I was freestyling. Gotcha. You know, once <laughs> I would learn a certain part of the game, it, 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 it don't take a rocket scientist to actually see what the, these people have actually done. And most things that we know in life is built on relationships. Oh, absolutely. 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 And, 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 and basically, you know, I, I just always kept it real with people. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. You got to. Because you're going to see those people. You're going to see them again. <laughs> And right. oh, do me and C Troop see the certain people see again? Those people. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we've seen some people. Oh man, like oh, oh, so now you need a favor. So For now real? you want to okay? Right. You don't want to show up when the record's coming out, <laughs> right? And want to and want to tell you some crap about something that they know that's garbage. And and if nothing else about me, uh, um, uh, Napoleon will tell you, I, I I I never mess with a record that. I didn't like myself. I don't care how much money you paid me. Um, it, wa it wasn't really always about the money when I really started understanding hip hop. Right. Because let me give you guys a caveat. I I came into the business wanting to be a rapper, but I figured I was whack once I started understanding that now nah, you got to write your own rhymes. I put out a song with Master Rhyme. Um, and if you remember one of the easy sides, 
Easy songs. He say, Master Rhyme is a toy. How you gonna diss me? You don't even know me. That was something that really me and Easy set up for my group. But then my group thought that they was really, really large. You know, he was giving me a lot, basically. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. a lot of uh, city. <laughs> right. You know, and, and all we had to do was dunk it. But then with, with, with most artists you deal with, they start thinking it's all them. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a team. And most of this stuff, and, and, and talking about the Dre situation, it really truly is a team effort. And, you know, Dre, as we now starting to see, you know, look, Look! Look where he's at. First hip hop billionaire, beats, at least in writing. Beats by Dre. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and you also told Snoop that he was going to be a star before he started taking off. Yeah, yeah. That that's another funny story. Like I was telling you, um, when um, we were over there at uh, the Solar Building, you know, at Dick Griffey Studio. Big rest in peace, of Dick Griffey. Sounds of Los Angeles Radio. Yeah, exactly. Um, they had no money. I probably had the most money in the crew. So every time I used to show up to the studio, and this is a, a young Warren G, a young Snoop, a young Dad, Corrupt, Joel, Rage, you know what I'm saying? Nate Dogg, rest in peace. Um, RBX used to be over there in the RBX. earlier years, you know, before he got ghost. Uh, of course, uh, DOC would be there. The and just a lot of the other, you know, the people that was around. Um, they... We was able to, okay, at first that deal was with Sony Rec Music, right? Because okay. of Dick. And then people, remember when the cop killer stuff was going around and people Ice started tea. getting nervous? Uh, yeah, Ice-T. Uh, people started getting nervous about those types of records. So uh, we, we got on the deep cover soundtrack. And that that is the weirdest record. Let me tell you what happened. So I'm promoting it. I'm promoting it in L.A., and, I, you know, I'm originally from San Francisco, right? So I take it up to the Bay, give it to my brother, give it to Davey D up there, give it to a lot Shout of the people Davey that are up D. there at that time, right? Oh, Davey yes. D is in, he, Listen. he's a guy, as a cornerstone in many things, but plays the cut. Yes, and and he's a real, like, down-to-earth true dude. Like, I seen him out in Penn State at Penn State University one time around Halloween, and he, we just sat and, and talked for, like, about a good half hour, 20 minutes. And he didn't know me from a can of paint at that point. But we just was just talking about different things, man. That that, that dude's a real brother, for real. Oh, yeah. He, these are a lot of the, uh, the, a lot of the people that been around forever. This is when, remember, the wake-up show and all of that stuff. I'm yeah. a leader. And all of those days of it. Um, and basically, the record didn't do nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Deep Cover did nothing on the West Coast, right? So, uh-huh. so, so, I worked for every record company basically at the same time, and they all knew it. I started the rap department at, at, at Priority. I started the rap department at Capitol Records, at MCA Records. I was I was basically working for every record company, and my deal was: look, I'm working for this person. I'm working for that person. I only work good records. You know what I'm saying? And what I will do, I, I had them all giving me retainers that. At the height of probably my success, I was probably making like about sixty thousand bucks a month in retainers. And reta- because wow. Wow. I, I learned the game from wow. Jerry Heller and Lori Alexander, consultants. So they would Jerry they Hull. would put me with you know when I would meet the people at MCA at that time. Um, what's his name? Ernie Singleton was the was the president. So you know, Maury had already pre-cut my deal. You know what I'm saying? So. 
even for like singles, I was making like, let's just say to do a single just for the Western region, I would probably make $20,000 just to do California and Nevada and Arizona. Um, nice. Uh, That's when budget that, was real. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying this, I'm, I'm saying this to say, so I, I, I used to fly to New York on Thursday, on Thursday, I would get to New York at around, I, fro, I, I flew to New York every week on Thursday. I would check into the Wellington right there on 7th Avenue, 56, right? Then I would take off to Nails. That's when Nails was cracking. All the models used to be there. Mm-hmm. So 14th you know, used to be at, right? Yeah. 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 In, in Lower Manhattan, you know, the Nails in, uh, what's that would be? Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, Tyra Banks and, um, you know, uh, uh, Kamora Lee, this just when all of they were just models, and at that time the big model was Veronica Webb, and yeah. Russell would be there. Um, uh, what's wow. her name? Uptown, uh, Andre Harrell. Andre Harrell, yeah, yeah. These are the these are the early days, like Tifa. You know, everybody, and it, it's where basically hip hop and fashion used to go and kick it at. Mm-hmm. And you know, I dropped the record off there, but and then I would I would do my thing. I would go to Mark the Forty Five King's house, stay there. Uh, uh, and just, you know, drop a bunch of records off because that's when he was still producing for a lot of people, right? Drop a gang of records off there. Uh, I would get with um, um, Ultra Magnetic. Those was my friends. You know, they up in Harlem. You know, Cool Keith said, Mo Love and all of them. Um, me and Dante was real close at that time. He was leaving Tommy Boy when he was starting. Dante Ross. And all of that stuff over at, I think, what, what was that, Electra or something like that? Electra, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, at a lecturer, um, you know, and then when the cats would see me, they always knew I had the Cali drove. So it would be like, Dumb, dude, Dumb, in New York. So everybody would just bum rush my room from Bust Rhymes to Tread to Young Tread to Apache, Lati, uh, rest in peace, Apache. Rest in peace. Um, you know, they would just come to my room right there. You know, we would, you know, get blow. And then, you know, I did my rounds. I, would, I dropped the record off to um, DJ Red Alert. Gave it to Kid Capri, cool. yeah. um, a young DJ Premier. Um, but the one who broke that record for me in New York, Superman Clark Kent, I will never, ever forget. Clark that. Kent is the man that broke a lot of people. Jay-Z, yeah. uh, 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 Original Flavor, Biggie. Yep. A lot. He was the man behind me. He did, yeah. Yes, he did. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then I got to give it to my man Rocky, the president of, of, of the museum. Rocky is the one that yes. put out Biggie's first record party and then bull crap on right. the Uni record. Right, and, right. It was a compilation. That's how Who's I the met man Rocky soundtrack? back in the eighties yes. and MCA Records in Universal City. Big shout to Rocky because, uh, of course, a couple of uh, about a month ago, hosted by Ralph McDaniel's of Video Music Box, we hosted the uh, birthday celebration for Curtis Blow. Uh, and, mm-hmm. You know, of course, we're in conjunction with the whole Universal Hip Hop Museum. So shout out to Rocky. Right. He does a lot for a lot of people. Oh, he's a good, Rock good, good lot. dude. Good, good dude. I'm out here working real hard for the museum. I'm really trying to get Dre. Dre got to show up to this 20th anniversary on the 9th at the Apollo Theater for the so, 40th year, 40th year of hip hop. You know. So that's um, no, November 9th at the Apollo. 
No, no, no. It's going to be a January. January 9th. Okay, January 9th of the because Apollo. We, uh, Dre, we basically uh, pushed the date back because of Dre. So Dre got to come through, man. You know, ain't nobody that busy, you know, to come and bless the Dons in New York that started this stuff. You are a hip-hop billionaire. So, you so, know. Ho- so hold on. We'll make sure. I, 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 I We want to make sure we get this straight. Thermal Sandwich Radio. We're right here. The Radio Boys. See you with Kevin Lawrence. So... I want to make sure I get this correct. Is it because of New York, the East Coast, that was the ones that catapulted what was going on for the deep cover, you know, song? And- no, it was New York. It was New York, and actually, New York, London, and uh, uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. So the it was exploded. So it wasn't L.A. No, Cali. wasn't Cali at all. Is, and is that the reason why at the Source Awards when they was booing? Death Row, shouldn't I? And Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg said, "Y'all don't got no love for Snoop Dogg and Death Row." And most of all our records, most of our records were sold here from New York people. Is that one? Well, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. New York. This is what happened. Okay, let me let me let me let me let me rewind the story. This is what happened. So, like I'm telling you, I'm going out there on Thursdays, right? So, maybe a month and a half, maybe even two months pass, right? Um, I go out there. Actually, I'm coming back from Denmark. I'm coming back from Denmark, um, and I'm tired. I say, you know something? I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call Mark because I, I didn't um, um, call the Wellington to get a, a room there, right? I called Mark the Forty Five King. I say, Mark, can I stay at your house, man? I don't, I don't feel like now flying from Europe, you know, and then you know, go on another couple of hours, and that flight that I had was going to be a layover, I think, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't want to do all that. So I said, man, let me just stay at your house tonight, uh, uh, or t- a night and a half, and I'm out of here Monday morning. Uh, he said, come on. So I go to his house, and he was getting a limousine that night, and we was going out, right? He, I said, where are we going? He said, uh, uh, we're just going to go to the club. I just want to have some fun. So he had ordered a limousine, right? So... I'm out in New York. I, I had to get out and go walk. As I'm walking on a Seventh Ave, I see Hank Shockley. Me and Hank wow. just boys because I, I I promoted a lot of um, the stuff that they did uh, with their stuff, like the Young Black Teenagers, the, the Juice soundtrack. I promoted a lot of that stuff that when they got their label at MCA, right? So Hank asked me, "Well, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm at Mark Forty Five King House. We're going out tonight." The Clark Kent Club. That's when he had a club at the Meat Warehouse, right on the West End Highway, right almost by that uh, that UPS right there, right. It was just down a couple of more blocks on the West End Highway, right. So he said, "Okay, well, I'll roll with y'all." So uh, Hank comes to Mark House. You know, we we get in the limousine. We pulls up to the club. They see Hank. They see Mark Forty Five King. So they, you know, broke down the velvet rope for us. We walking in there, right, and. And uh, uh, Clark Kent is cutting. Um, uh, uh, remember Soul Clap, uh, Showbiz, and AG, yeah, right? Yes. He's cutting that. He's cutting Papa Large, um, the Ultra Magnetic. I mean, uh, Ultra Magnetic song, right? Cool, cool. And I can hear the blending of Deep Cover, right? Wow. I say, Wait a minute, that sounds like Deep Cover, and he's doing this incredible mix on those three songs, right? So then, as we coming in, you know, the sheep. It, the, the the velvet rope and the people see uh, it was Mark and, and, and Hank, you know, um, and it just parts like the Red Sea, right? All of a sudden, um, Clark Kent sees me, 
and he said, oh, my God, Doug Jones in here. That's the dude that brought me deep cover. And then, you know, he's slowly mixing it in, right? And, my God, everybody in New York, when he just let the record go, lost a you-know-what mind. Yeah, and they and, still and they do. Knew, and they knew it lyric for lyric. They was, you know, it was like, wow, I was, like, stunned. Because, you know, when we speak to... It, Everybody out here at Thermal Sandwich Radio, we're speaking with the gentleman, Mr. Doug Young, industry veteran of Ruthless Slash Death Row Records and more. MCA, Universal. MCA, all that. Just <laughs> et cetera, a veteran. Et cetera. Industry Just veteran. Re, re, on retainer. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Retainer. That's what it is. But when we speak to... Well, when you were on the East Coast, people that, do, that don't travel on the East Coast, they just think about West Coast people hate East Coast people. And it was like oh, for a no, long time. No, in the early years, it was nothing like that. That... What happened with that West Coast, East Coast thing? Um, let me put this like this. Um, things started boiling over. Okay, let's put it like this. You know, um, in the early years, Roger Clayton, rest in peace, which I would say is our cool Herc, right? Greg Mack, K-Day, as you guys know, uh, would bring a lot of the cats from the East Coast, you know, out to the West Coast to do shows at La Casa, at World on Wheels, at Skateland, places like that, right? Um, you know, he was the first one to bring out Run DMC. Um, he was the first one to bring out Houdini in them, Kumo uh, D, LL Cool J. This is all Roger uh, in, in, in conjunction with, with uh, Greg Mack, K-Day Records, which was an AM station at that time. Um and brothers from out here, but well, I, I got to kind of backtrack that. Uh, brothers from out here started kind of getting mad because they wasn't getting the same love. But I had a conversation with 45 King one day at his house, and it made a lot of sense. And I even started trying to uh, tell brothers that same story and why it made a lot of sense. Mark said, look, uh, it ain't that the people from New York don't like the West Coast music. It's, it's, he said it to me like this, and it made so much sense. He said, imagine this. Imagine you guys do a record, and, and y'all are the real dope artists, right? And y'all did that record four or five years ago, right? And then y'all, you get the record four or five years later. Then you try to mimic that record, and you do either a so-so job of mimicking something we did four or five years ago, but you kind of did a bad job of that. And... Mm. Once I was going to New York a lot, remember, like I'm, I'm saying to you, I'm going, I'm actually down there, I'm, I'm, I'm at the FIFA, you know what I'm saying? I'm at the Latin quarters. So I'm seeing with my own eyes, even I'm, I'm, I'm at that, remember that little church over there? Uh, what was that called? The Limelight. 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 I'm at the tunnel, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm at all of these clubs. I'm, I'm, I'm in Times Square, seeing cats hop on top of fire hydrants and just ripping it in half. I'm seeing people jump on top of of a of, of a, a, a mailbox and seeing an MC that's trying to get himself put on rip it in half. So now I'm getting the actual lyrical part of it, you know, because in most people when they first come to rap, they're only going to listen to a good beat, some little catchy phrases, and some catchy hooks. So now I'm 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 diving deeper and deeper into the game. I mean because some of my favorite albums were KRS-One's first one, Criminal Minded. Of course, Paid in Full. 
I love the Ultra Magnetic first album. I love the Cool G Rap first album. I loved a lot of that Rakim, I mean, Rakim Shabazz stuff, but he was on a weak label, you know. Um, yeah, Tough City. Musty Man Fuchs. What was his label name again? Uh, tough, um, tough City. Yeah, Tough City. Uh, oh, Green, Aaron, uh, Aaron Fuchs. Aaron Fuchs, yeah, that was his name. Yeah, I used to do a lot of his promotions. Uh, uh, and then I loved a lot of the early Wild Pitch, you know, Gangstar. You know, I helped uh, yeah, uh, uh, Main uh, Fine, P-Fine, you know what I'm saying? Right, uh, With right. that label. Um, and then a lot of the early Tommy Boy stuff. So I started understanding that our, lyri our lyrical acrobatics and our lyrical content, it didn't match the, how can I say, let's put it like this. If, if I want to grade it from kindergarten to Ph.D., we was probably in elementary school. You see what I'm saying? Wow. To some of the, uh, being real with it. No, no, hey, listen, talk that. You know, you know to some of uh, the way that they would, when you really start understanding style, and then remember the phrases back then, no skills, no style, no vocabulary within the style. So these are all degrees of difficulty when you really start understanding the game. So then, you know, I took, you know, I un, unballed my fist and, un, you know, not take it so personal no more. But once that NWA record was made, and once Q, I knew we had something. So I used to really just, just pound that, pound that one. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Production was ridiculous. You see what I'm saying? Yep. If everybody else was so so dibby dibby rapper, Cube was absolutely incredible of uh, understanding was. subjects and predicates. You and, see it now. And, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> I remember I would go there every Thursday working that record, working that record, working that record, being all over the all over New York City. I was in all five boroughs. You know what I'm saying? Just pounding it. And then I, I can remember when it blew up, man. It was everywhere. That NWA stuff was everywhere. Everybody thinks that it was Snoop Man that really blew up in New York. That was like the, the icing on the cake. But the real B-boys and the, the real rhymers from New York, they went, they went crazy for that NWA. Because after a while, you've seen NWA everywhere. Bootleg NWA stuff everywhere. All over Manhattan. And let me ask you this about the NWA situation. This is WHCR, Thermal Sound Waves. Hey! We're talking to Mr. Doug Young, yes. a.k.a. Mr. Retainer. Mr. Retainer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> now, like with, with, with promoting NWA, given that there was no mainstream radio that really wanted to mess with it and you were doing things on the street and, and street teams and stuff like that, did you get that Back whole... I coined that phrase, street team. You did. Wow. So yep. you you didn't get that from from out here on the East Coast. You 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 started that out on the West Coast. The whole street team feel of putting up the snipes and and the posters everywhere and stuff like that. Well, um, actually, that's actually just a word because Roger Clayton out here, and I would imagine um, Russell and you know the guys Curtis and all of the guys back then had some way of getting their records out. So it was we we didn't have a name for it. I'm gonna tell you how that 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 came about real briefly. When I started the rap department at Capitol Records, right, um, we needed to call ourselves something in order to get paid. You know, this is when, you know, I'm, I'm, we're moving from, from like, the Macaulay years and even past the uh, priority records years. All I had to do was just, they just gave me my check. But once I started going into this company, MCA and Aristas and all of those types of companies, and Capitol Records, uh, well, you've got to have something that, they got to sign that PO2. You understand what I'm saying? So they were saying, well, just come up, give us an acronym, and you guys can get paid. So 
Uh, Step Johnson. Step Johnson suggested Street Awareness Program. And then I said, that acronym is SAP. I'm not going to be no SAP. <laughs> so I'm there with Lionel Wright now, who became the head of promotion for Puffy and Arista Record and Jeffrey House. They ended up moving to New York to work for Puffy. That's what's so ironic. When they were working for Puffy, and these are guys that I put on. They was my fraternity brothers. Me and Lionel were Sigma, Phi Beta Sigma, right? Oh, shout out. Um, Blue Phi. Blue Phi. Yeah, yeah, I'm Sigma. From San Jose State. I taught a line. I started the, the, the Sigmas out there. Anyway, long story short. So I said, well, no, I'm not going to be no sap, man. Just get me to the tomorrow because they weren't going to be able to cut the checks anyway. But anyway, Lionel and Jeff is looking at me cross-sided and mad. I said, man, we're not going to be no saps, dude. I will think of something. I will call it in. When I uh, drive to Capitol, 10, 11 o'clock, we'll have that check. All right? So I sit up that night, started smoking a little, you know, God's uh, herbal essence. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, herbal admit, essence. I'm keeping it family. Yes, all right? yes, yes, um, indeed. The Cali Dro, as it's better known out there. Um, I said, oh, I guess we got to call ourselves staff. Then I went, uh, then I went, wait a minute, we're a team. Why don't we call ourselves Street Awareness Team? Right. And so I jumped up, called Lionel and Jeff. I said, I got the name. It's going to be Street Awareness Team. For short, Street Team. They said, that's perfect, Doug. I said, I know it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but Trip, guess who copywrote it and makes the money off the name? Who, Puffy? Jerry Heller. No. Nope. Steve Rifkin. Loud oh. And that's why okay. he had a heavy street Yes. That explains. organic people. So uh, his father was in the game, yes, Julian Rifkin, right? Right. Well, no. Julian Rifkin told his, him, because we used to farm out stuff to, to Steve. We used to have them work with us. Steve Rifkin and Faye Dubonet, right? When they had the office upstairs from Delicious Vinyl, right? When that, all the Tone Loke and uh, um, Young MC Man, stuff, see. right? I was promoting for Tone, I mean, for Mike Ross at Delicious Vinyl. I was promoting for everybody. Um, <laughs> um, so we used to, we started getting so busy, me, Lionel, and Jeff, we just started giving Steve, Steve Rifkin and, and Faye Dubonet work too, okay? Gotcha. So. So, I mean, Steve, but one of the things I will say about Steve, he said, Doug, I really had nothing to do with it. My dad did it. He warned me that after they did it, after the fact, he said, my dad asked me to copyright this name. So when you start hearing anybody like on those news programs, our street team is out there, that they get, they're getting paid because of his father who was wow. already Whoa. in the game, Julian Rifkin. <laughs> wow. Wow. So... so so the so the guys that you sent over over to the east from the west coast were, were also the dudes that they were working those early bad boy projects too, right? All with, that with the, stuff. The, because the what biggie. happened was they tried to get all of us to come out there. I'm like, I'm not leaving no darn <laughs> west coast. You guys have lost your minds, right? When they first said, "Look, they want all of us." I said, "They ain't going. They ain't getting all of us. I'm not moving to no New York." That's when and, I, um, June Balloon um, got involved and those people. Wow. And so it was, what happened was, let me let me give you guys another ironic story. So at the height of the so-called East Coast, West Coast War, Lionel was in charge of promotion for Bad Boy. I'm in charge of promotion for Death Row. So now you got the two baddest promoters because Lionel was no joke. Because I taught him everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
And we would, uh, at first it was all love and fun at first until it kind of got like weird. And a lot of that was Suge being basically, to me, jealous of Puffy. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to keep it G, you know what I'm saying? Because yes. Puffy was my friend. You know, matter of fact, when Puffy lost his deal at MCA Records, Thermal sound wave, wave.